Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my trusted associate with whom I do all my cases, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Uh, uh, thank you for asking, Andy. I am doing quite fine, yes, yes. Uh, might I have a snifter of brandy, perhaps? Oh, you can always have a snifter of brandy. That's perfect. Oh, good. What, oh, good. What, what movie are we doing today, Larry? We are doing uh, The Great Mouse Detective, Andy. And I just want to say right off the start, what an underrated treat this movie was. That's uh, great. To, I I really was worried that like maybe in my memory this was not because sometimes my memory fails me and I remember things as better than they are. No, this holds up so well. Why do why is this not considered one of the great Disney movies? It's fantastic. Absolute gem. Well, let's get into some key facts. So The Great Mouse Detective is based on the children's book series by Eve Titus and Paul Gladone. It's Basil of Baker Street. And uh, this children's series, of course, is based on the fictional detective Sherlock Holmes, all of those short stories that were penned by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And, of course, Conan Doyle based his famous detective on Edgar Allan Poe's fictional detective Dupont, right? And a real-life surgeon, Joseph Bell, who Conan Doyle worked for as a clerk. So this movie is an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation. I like and yet, them apples. And yet to me feels like a property ready to be adapted. Let's go. <laughs> let's just keep going. Let's adapt it. <laughs> let's do it again, right? Yes. Sure. Well, Basil gets his name from actor Basil Rathbone, who played Holmes in film and radio from the late 1930s through the 1940s. I highly, highly, highly recommend the radio plays The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. If you've never heard those, you really need to hear them. And the sampling of Sherlock Holmes' voice in The Great Mouse Detective is indeed Basil Rathbone. And the lines come from The Red-Headed League, which is one of the short stories that was read by Rathbone and released by Cademan Records in about 1966. So cool. That. Yeah. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective took four years to make. As we mentioned last week on our program, uh, Tron was the first Disney movie to do computer animation on screen and probably the first movie to do that, period, right? Um, but And The Great Mouse Detective is Disney's first attempt at blending computer animation with hand-drawn characters. So, for example, the clock gears in the final climactic sequence exist in the mind of a computer which enables 3D movement much like a live-action camera might or much like we might do in a video game today. And once again, Disney is innovating. We're, we're, we're finally out of that black hole where they were just resting on their laurels uh, using the same types of animation again and again. They're, they're taking steps forward, and that's exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. So animating director Glenn Keane was absolutely painstaking with the process of what he called bringing believability to the screen. So each of the characters, even though they may not have touched on this at all, had a backstory, what life was like for them as a kid, why Radigan actually went bad, why Basil was uh, Basil was socially awkward, etc. And it so, shows. They, doesn't it, it? It does. They, they come on the screen and you immediately go, they have they have lives where we're, we're not coming yeah. in like and filling in details as we go. They come in and the characters just feel fully informed. 
Yes. I'm sorry. I'm yes. coming in. I know people often tune in for like not my sincerity, <laughs> but for my snark. But I'm feeling sincere today. This movie is great. It really is. Uh, Vincent Price had never been asked to do a Disney villain before, and it was it was like one of his goals in life. And so when he was asked, he absolutely went all in with his performance. Um, he said in an interview, I found. Radigan is the ultimate villain with a huge sense of humor about himself, but dead seriousness about crime. He's a great actor playing the great villain. And I thought, uh, and no, I mean, isn't that fun? It what a, is what fun. insight. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I, it's just, he's great in this. Oh, he's super. He absolutely brings Radigan to life. Um, Henry Mancini from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and the Pink Panther fame. You've heard those. Uh, Moon River, of course, and the Pink Panther theme, had worked on dozens of films from 1952 to this point in 1986, but this was his full, first full-length animated feature. And two of his songs are sung in the movie, The World's Greatest Criminal Mind, and, or Rat, oh, Radigan, right? Uh, and Goodbye So Soon, which are both sung by Vincent Price, who had never also, he this was his first time singing in a movie, uh, and that might show. A little bit. Uh, and Melissa Manchester wrote, Let Me Be Good to You as the dance hall number, and she performs that. However, this is not Vincent Price's first time singing. Uh, you can catch him singing uh, You've Got a Friend uh, with uh, the Muppets in his oh, Muppet right. Show episode. So it's it may be his first animated song, but if uh -huh. anybody wants to put together... A, uh, you know, a, a soundtrack of Vincent Price singing the best. Uh, don't don't forget to include that little gem. So another little Easter egg here. Um, so this movie is only an hour and 16 minutes long. Uh, but if you were lucky enough to see it in theaters as I was in 1986, you would have seen you would have seen it following an eight minute Mickey Mouse short from 1937 entitled Clock Cleaners. Uh, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy clean a tall clock tower, and of course, mayhem ensues. In the 1990s, the fundamentalist Christian organization called the American Family Association requested this cartoon be made unavailable to children because you may or may not be able to hear Donald Duck cursing as he tries to fix the clock's mechanism. And there's Wait. some controversy. There's some controversy Wait. about that. Uh, I what? <laughs> but I can't understand Donald Duck when he's talking most of the time. Are you telling me? Are you telling me like all of a sudden he breaks characters and starts dropping dropping bombs in this one? If you watch it on Disney Plus, they give him uh, in the subtitles. They give him one word, but if you listen to it without the subtitles, it's kind of clear. Oh so. my! Okay. <laughs> But highly I'm recommend shocked. clock cleaners. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am so, shocked. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, shall we? Shall we jump into plot? Yes, this movie's. Awesome. I am. Let's do it. I am so excited to talk about today's Manish Tana, Andy. And the reason I'm excited about it is I think we've done a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. Some of these movies are amazing movies, like The Little Mermaid, like The Lion King. We, mm -hmm. We've done some great ones. And yet, I'm going to throw out that perhaps the best Manish Tana I've seen in any of the movies we've covered so far is in this movie, The Great Mouse Detective. Right from the... No, right from the start. We start on this adorable little girl and her father, 
And we mm -hmm. see them making these sort of like Geppetto-esque clockwork automatons. And mm -hmm. then a sinister figure that we can't see, but we see in shadow, comes in. And the little girl has to hide as her father is abducted. We are oh, not two minutes in. The stakes are high. The tension is intense. And... We like the characters that we've met so far and are stressed that they're imperiled. Right. I, we haven't even seen the words of the Great Mouse Detect. The title card hasn't even right. really come up yet. But I am already fully engaged with this movie in such mm -hmm. a short period of time. We've got no exposition. We don't need any. It's mm -hmm. so. I'm, am, am I overdoing? I mean, it Andy? really contains. It really contains all the exposition we need to really get the party started, right? I mean, and and like you said, there's that dramatic reversal. There's a sweet moment between father and daughter, and we love. We them like them immediately, instantly, and yes. then bam, in comes Fidget, and it, it's frightening. And then there's a break in and a kidnapping, and it's happened so fast. And then we get this swelling music. I mean, we get a little girl calling after her dad. Oh, how haunting is that? And then we get this swelling music with the Great Mouse Detective title. We know uh, if you're a younger viewer, this case is going to be solved. Justice will come. Uh, just it, it's it's awesome. Love it. Okay. Love it. So so agree, I'm not agree overdoing it completely. Then. Okay. No, agree with you completely. And and the big takeaway craft wise that I got from this is get them in crisis immediately. No, oh, it's great. Don't don't worry about giving us all the details. Get our hearts involved, and then mm -hmm. then you can fill us in on what we need to know later on in the movie because we'll be invested. Because what at that point we're getting exposition because we're trying to. We're trying to solve the problem for Olivia, right? right? Yes, like, exactly. Like every every detail, every crumb you throw at us is useful because we're trying to figure out, will this little girl get reunited with her dad? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so strong perfect. start. Strong start. And then we get into a little bit of exposition. We decompress a little bit. We leave that tense moment. And the details get a little uh, knocked around in my mind. I, I just saw it, and it's it's really fresh. But but we we come in not on uh, Basil of Baker Street, but we come right. in on two characters. We still know Olivia, and we see Olivia mm -hmm. trying to find help. She's she's upset. No one is helping her. She's crying. And we meet we meet Doctor uh, Doctor Dawson, and. We focus in on him, and the thing that we immediately learn is that Dr. Dawson is the person of all the people who's going to stop and take care of a young girl in peril. Mm -hmm. uh, so immediately he wins us over because other right. people are just walking by. And he's also the narrator of this piece. So he's yes. narrating how something's going to happen here that's going to change his life forever. Right. And we're like, huh, what is that thing? Right. Exactly right. Um, and and then we start getting the details, and we get details of the exposition from a natural conversation between Dawson and Olivia. Mm -hmm. Olivia relays to him, her dad's been kidnapped, she needs to find the great mouse detective, Basil of Baker Street. Uh, mm -hmm. Dawson fills in some information about the state of the world. They have this natural conversation. He brings her... 
to Basil of Baker Street, what would you say? So this, there's an argument to be made here about the inciting incident that you could put it in a number of places, and I'm yeah. open to that. Uh, what do you think the inciting incident is? Well, I'm going to make an argument in a little bit that there are three climaxes to this movie. So we might also have three inciting incidents. Um, right. The, the first inciting incident, I think, happens during the prologue of this film. Because if Hiram's not kidnapped, if Olivia's not have left with that, or we don't have a movie, right? So that's the crime. We could also say that it's when Dawson meets Olivia in the boot. Sure. On the other hand, the movie really doesn't get cooking until Basil decides to take the case. And he does that once he hears that it involves Fidget and his arch nemesis, Professor uh, Radigan, who I will undoubtedly call Moriarty. Yeah, it's gonna, happen. I, I, it's it's gonna, gonna happen, happen at some point. I say, same here, right? I've right. been living again, that tension this whole have, week. Yeah, but because because we have three inciting incidents, we are also, uh, you know, or because we have three climaxes. Rather, I mean, we're. I think we could very well possibly have three inciting incidents. And and I think you're right. And on a test, I would I would I would take the D all of the above option for this. But in actuality, I think there really is only one inciting incident when you consider whose movie this is, because ultimately yeah. <laughs> this is not Olivia's movie. Yeah. Love her. Great character. This mm -hmm. is not her story. And I think I didn't know what the inciting incident of this movie is until I got to the end and I realized what was really happening here. Mm -hmm. The inciting incident of this movie is Dr. Dawson and Basil of Baker Street meet. And that is the event that changes both of their lives. What mm -hmm. case it is, is incidental. What's important is that who, who remembers who Batman and Robin fought the first time they fought. What was important is Batman and Robin got together. And yes, I do remember, listener. But but <laughs> but most listen, most people don't care about that. This is about yeah. the formation of a partnership. And I think yeah, that's I mean, the I mean, I think if incident. that's if that's the emotional climax, there may be four. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think the the real heart of this story is yeah. about Basil and, and Dawson. And I want to talk more about that when we get to character. Okay. But for me, this is the event that they're going to do other cases after this. And I hope some of those cases are even bigger than this case, although this case is pretty big. I just don't want them to have peaked yet, right? Right, right, uh, right, right, right. You know, this is this is a great adventure. But it's the start of a relationship that's go that, in theory, should have gone on to many other cases and, mm -hmm. and been the launching of several great Mouse Detective movies. And it's, it's about the two of them coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to quickly take us through rising action, not because I, I don't think the rising action is great. I think it is. I think it is. But it is oh, mostly yeah, sure. it is mostly a case of Basil and Dawson continue to follow the clues up until trying to figure out what Professor Radigan is up to uh, and and, you know, Foiling and counterfoiling their arch nemesis as they go up along the way. And I don't know that the individual beats 
are important to enumerate here with the exception of one. So we kind of have a game, forgive me, Andy, I, I, I struggled to find a phrase other than cat and mouse to describe what was happening between Radigan and Basil and could not find one. Could not find one. How about rat and mouse? Well, I would never use that <laughs> word for him because... <laughs> you might get fed to Felicia. But I, I'm terrified. Um, but it really it really is that they, they foil each other for a little bit. Um, Basil is on to Radigan's scheme. But then a thing happens. Radigan captures Basil and Dawson after having already caught Olivia and Hiram. Mm -hmm. And this causes in Basil despair. Because Basil, you know, Basil and Radigan have been having this sort of game of wits. And as far as both Basil and Radigan are concerned, Radigan has won and Basil has lost. And it never occurred to Basil that he might lose the game permanently. He's been set up in a death trap. He's going to die. Dawson's going to die. He is thoroughly and completely defeated. And then mm -hmm. they escape the trap. Um, and, the, and the game is once again afoot, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Andy, you want to identify the climax of, of this movie? Well, I know you said there I are said, multiple ones. So. Well, I mean, as I said before, there are kind of three. But now if, you've, if you're throwing your inciting incident in there as being the partnership, um, I, think, I think there are three. First, the queen is saved. Sure. Um, which is sort of a, a big thing. And then the second, when Olivia is saved. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. But when Basil battles Radigan and emerges victorious, that seems really big, too. So but, what's the but, moment of highest tension? Of those three, the highest tension is the life and death stakes between Basil and Radigan, where, sure. where two rodents enter and only one rodent is going to leave. Correct. And this is this is a Disney movie that that absolutely delivers on that premise. Maybe no no rodents will leave. Uh, right. So so it's the climaxiest of those climaxes. But you right. have a fourth one. But then that emotional climax of, you know, the two of them are back at Baker Street, Basil and, and uh, Dawson, they're back at Baker Street, and uh, somebody knocks at the door as Dawson's getting ready to leave forever, and he says, um, he sees the woman, and she's got a case, and uh, he says, oh, of course, this is Basil, and Basil says, this is my, you know, this this man here is is my trusted associate. With whom uh, I do, do all, all of my, my cases. cases. So I think that completes Basil's arc. Um, I think he's moved from who he once was to who he is now. And I think the heart of that movie is now, you know, it's good. Ties I, it up nicely. I'm going to say that that to me, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on the it same feels thread like, as it you. Feels like, it feels it's, like falling action, right? It, it feels like resolution. Action. I'm going to trace it back, that same thread, though, Andy, because I think you're right that that line is important. I'm mm -hmm. going to say their emotional climax happens before the physical climax. When okay. the two of them are in the trap together and Basil ah, is okay. absolutely in despair. And it is not Basil who rises to the occasion. If Basil is in that trap by himself, 
he dies. Right. That is Dawson's moment to shine, where right. he sees Basil is too stuck in his head and and works to bring him back to reality and get him to focus at the problem on hand. That, for me, is the moment in their relationship where Basil realizes he needs Dawson. He can't right. do it alone. And right. it's and if you take that that same thread, we mm -hmm. don't actually understand that Basil has come to that conclusion till we get to the moment you pointed at during the falling action. Right. But I think the I think where it actually occurs in his brain space is there. Does that does that does that make Yeah, sense? I mean it's, it's definitely a turning point for sure. I I mean this Gosh, this movie's so good. So, um, if you haven't seen it, go do your stop this podcast and go watch it because it's so good. Don't um, stop the podcast. Keep letting it play, <laughs> then rewind and listen to it a second time. Every listen helps, you listener. True. That's right. That's right. Um, no, so you're right in that Dawson's always finding clues, right? And he he talks Basil in at various key moments into trying things when Basil has given up. Yes. Or Basil is ignoring him or bad. And he, yeah, I think, I think he makes a really understated case to be his sidekick. I, and I, Basil partner. has this realization partner. Yeah. And Basil has this realization that, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm better with him than without him. Oh, I, I am raring to get into the Basil and Dawson of it all, but we do need to talk falling action. Sure. Um, in the falling action, after Ragnarokin has been defeated, uh, and and listener, he is dead. Uh, he he falls off that same, goes to that same fall. I imagine that every Disney villain who falls off a cliff to, and we don't see their body, they land one on top of each other in some sort of Dante <laughs> Infernos. Each 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 uh, sinner pushes the next one further into the ground. Set so he's on top of center. Maleficent, and yeah, Gaston, and Gaston's going to land on him. It's just coming. <laughs> It's just coming, listener. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but, but, that, but that being said, uh, we learn that Basil and Dawson have been knighted by the, the Mouse Queen of England. Mm -hmm. uh, Olivia has been reunited with her father and they exult stage left. Mm -hmm. uh, and and as, as we pointed out, Dawson is prepared to also leave. But when a new case comes in... And Basil insists he and Dawson are partners forever. And they immediately go into their next case, which, and you know what? If the movie didn't end, I would stay to watch that next case. I yep. would keep binging The Great Mouse Detective. It's yep. fantastic. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Agree. Agree. Well, let's dig into these characters. Um, oh, I'm so excited. Basil, of course, is based on Sherlock Holmes. Um, you know, the thing I love about him is that he's uber intelligent. He yes, he he notices the tiniest of details and extrapolates these whole sequences of events from them, right? Um, but he has this great flaw. What do you consider right. his flaw? What, well, what is I mean, it his, for you? his flaw is that he doesn't really listen to anyone else, and he's totally um, he's totally independent. Like, he doesn't have a companion or any kind of... I mean, you could say that his flaw is that he has this kind of flair for the dramatic when he feels like he's beaten, right? But that's yeah, part he, of... He gets a little a, whiny. Yeah. <laughs> he's not gracious in defeat. <laughs> no, but it's part of a bigger thing in that 
he doesn't work well with others. Oh, he doesn't, but play, he doesn't play well with others, right? And and absolutely, that's one of the things he's going to need Dawson for, right? Mm-hmm. Dawson is going to be the person who can talk to people, who can handle all of the emotional stuff that Bas- Basil has a high intellectual intelligence, but a low emotional intelligence. Yes, correct. And a low social intelligence. And Dawson's going to balance him out for that. And mm-hmm. I And I completely think that's right. But Andy, here for me is is the big thing about Basil, and it's so great, is Basil, at the beginning of this movie, Basil's best friend is Professor Radigan. And, and yes, they're enemies, mm-hmm. but Radigan is the only person in the world that Basil considers unequal. Mm. There's... There's a little girl crying in his her study. She wants to be reunited with her father. Right, right. And Basil is not going to take that case. No. Until he learns Fidget's involved. And because Fidget's involved, it's another opportunity to play with his best friend, Professor Radigan. Because there is no one else on the planet who has a brain like Basil's but Radigan. That's yeah. it. It is a universe. I mean, yeah, Basil- he even has his he isn't even has his photo on the wall, right? He's got yes! a picture of him on the wall. At, at the start of this movie, as if you asked Basil who exists in the world, it's two people. Him and Radigan, and that's right. it. And no one else matters. And what we see over the course of this movie is that he learns other people do matter. Not yep. he understands it in the abstract sense. He's not a villain at the start right, of this. Right. But but that Dawson is going to be the one. And to a lesser degree I think Olivia, but but really Dawson is going to be the one to get him to realize he needs other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about Radigan for a minute. So he is Basil's foil, right? For sure. He, he is reminiscent of Moriarty. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that because now I'm going to think about Moriarty and have to focus on saying Radigan. Um, totally if Bas- fine. If Basil had a dark side, he'd be Radigan, right? Which is also true of Sherlock Holmes and, and Moriarty. Right, uh, in, right. In the source material. that I, I mean, everyone is always upset. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone who is a fan of Sherlock Holmes short stories. Um, I don't know how many of you are out there, listeners. I'm I'm part of that club. That there's only one home short story with Moriarty in it. That mm-hmm. everybody always wanted him to recur because they liked seeing Holmes challenged in a way in which Holmes is never challenged in these other stories. Right. right. Um, and I I I think that's true. Uh, but but whereas Basil has put his gifts into the service of others, Radigan has put his similar gifts into the service of himself. Right. And, and, he, and he's a, Basil calls him a genius twisted for evil, the Napoleon of crime. My daughter noticed that he has this band, uh, that Radigan has this band of commoners underneath his spell that are mm-hmm. all sort of doing his bidding. And we're not yeah. sure, we were not sure as we were watching if that was because of the threat of the cat, Felicia, right? Or if they really believed that like a Radigan administration would elevate them to positions they wish they had 
under the queen. I think we're just he's, not, I think he's not promised. Sure. I think he's promised big and and will deliver as long as they absolutely are extensions of his will. The second any one of them demonstrates <laughs> even the slightest bit of independence, they're cat food. They're he cat food. Care That's right. Them. That's right. He doesn't, That's right. He's willing to get rid of like uh, fidget. Fidget is the most useful of all of them. Arguably irreplaceable because he's a bat and he can fly, and the others can't. And, he's and it isn't it? He Radigan considers everyone expendable. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's the thing that's curious to me about Radigan because I don't. I'm sure in the backstory of him, there's a reason for it. Uh, they they make this big deal of the fact that he pretends to be a mouse, but obviously he's a rat, and is mm-hmm. insulted if somebody calls him a rat. Uh, and it's a little incongruous to me that you would feel that way and have your name be Radigan. <laughs> Feels like you'd change it to Mouse again as part of the of the whole shtick. Um, I'm, I don't know quite how to how to square that circle, but he does. There is something about him he, that he wants to be recognized as a mouse and not a rat. And I actually wish I was a little bit more privy to his backstory so I understood why that is. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know. I couldn't tell he's you. Just, I mean, I, he's definitely a bully and uh, he, he gets his in this. But he's also this, like, mastermind of, like, he's like, he has a mechanical mastermind, right? I mean, just putting together the whole trap and the the record and just all of the things that's going to, you know, once this record is over, then this thing's going to fall. And this is, yeah, he's he's pretty, he's an evil genius for sure. One more point I want to make about Radigan. Radigan sure. is just as obsessed with Basil as Basil is obsessed with Radigan. Oh, yeah. When Radigan hears that Basil is now on the case, he has a physical reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's worried about it. But, but what he's really worried about is, what if Basil outsmarts him? This is yeah. his thing. Yeah, he's the what smartest a, yeah. one. Yeah, he's and a what great. a great what a great reversal when they sort of lure Basil and uh, Dawson into the Radigan lair or whatever that uh, where whatever that's called. I'm not sure, but they it, he's in there. The they see what they think is Olivia in the bottle, and of course the figure turns around. It's Fidget, and then bam, they're captured in this big. Banner comes and says, "Welcome, Basil." Right? Oh, I mean, the, it's and the it's best the thing. confetti and the whole bit. The best line Radigan says is, "I thought you'd be here fifteen minutes earlier." Oh, oh right. salt in the wound. Yeah, that yeah. that it isn't. It isn't that Radigan has overestimated Basil's intelligence. In this moment, he's saying, "Oh, I, I did I make this too hard for you?" I I thought you'd be here. I thought you'd figure it out earlier. Just really rubbing in his nose in uh, about his superior position in this game of chess that Radigan has just won. I guess Mm. I don't have any equals, Basil. Mm. I don't even need to stay to see you get finished off because I've got more important things to do than spend time with you. But don't worry, I'll get a picture of it. I mean, it's just so good. It really is. It really is. Well, let's talk about let's talk about Dawson. Um, obviously, modeled after Watson from the Sherlock Holmes series, um, Dawson is always finding clues, and he, like I said, he I think he genuinely wants to help people. I think he's a genuine 
uh, serviceman, if you will. I mean, he's just come back. He's a doctor. He's just come back from a war where he's probably been a medic. Yes. And he's and, and, and he's looking for rest, but he, you know, he sees this little girl and he can't help but help her. I don't think Dawson's, well, I think Dawson, Dawson thinks he's looking for rest, but what he mm-hmm. actually learns is he's not ready to retire from adventure. I think. Right, right. I think that's right. I think the funny part of Dawson is how unable he is to adapt to <laughs> the game. That there's right. that bit where they're where they're pretending to be thugs in the bar and and <laughs> and and Dawson's like and like the bartender is like, what do you want? And Dawson's like, oh, if you've got a good sherry and, and <laughs> it's uh, his his inability to I, I also think, you know, Dawson is someone who is emotionally available. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he provides that model, even that bit when they're in in the bar and. Uh, the the one mouse comes out and she sings that song. Mm-hmm. He just falls in love with her oh, to yeah. the point that I actually thought she was going to be a, like the femme fatale of this movie, that she was going to be a main character. Nope, she's done. Uh, but the amount of affection he invests in her right away mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. just, uh, he's just open. His heart yeah, is open and, to I mean, feeling. And because they are sort of taken by this woman, right? Somebody's able to roofie their drinks. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy. So crazy. Um, Olivia Blaversham, who I love that Basil can never get her last name right. Oh, it's such a good bit. For someone he's who's so brilliant, but he can't get her last name right. Because it's an, it, when, when he's focused, he will notice any little detail. Right. But if he doesn't think it has something to do with the case, it's not important to him. Right. I mean, I think uh, she's the heart of this movie, Olivia. She, she is. What's interesting here it, to me, uh, first of all, adorable, and you're mm-hmm. rooting for her right away. This is mm-hmm. one of those rare instances. A lot of Disney movies have this problem. I talked about this a bit in DuckTales, uh, that where like the kid goes on the adventure and you kind of have to hand wave it a little bit that they're going to be okay. Uh, cause other, cause you want the kid to go on the adventure, but you don't want the adults to be negligent monsters. So they're constantly <laughs> like sneaking their way on the plane. And what are you going to do in this one? She holds her ground against, uh, Basil. He says, under no circumstance are you going? And then we cut to she's there, <laughs> right. which I think is, which I think is great. But also, uh, I, what I find amusing is he was right to not bring her along. She was oh, yeah. safe in his apartment and she gets kidnapped. He <laughs> should not have brought her. Well, I mean, I think it's adorable when she starts putting crumpets and she takes a crumpet and she starts putting them in her pocket. She's going on a journey. She's ready oh, yeah. to go. Yeah, she's oh, prepping. Yeah. She's the case and she's the stakes. Her happiness yep. is yep. the stakes. Yeah. Uh, and her and safety I think it's, is the stakes, right? I think it's smart to have her get kidnapped because one, now that we've gotten to know her and love her, we're more invested in the case than we were, than we would have been just for her father. If we'd mm-hmm. left her back in the apartment, we might forget about her. Uh, I, I, I think it's right what they do. I do mm-hmm. feel like they sort of set her up to be a permanent member of the team. Mm-hmm. In a certain way. And at the end of the movie, when she goes off with her father, I'm always like, oh, I guess they'll never see her again. Right. right. Uh, it always feels like they've spent so much time creating this great character. It's kind of a shame to see her go. 
And when she goes, there is this sort of heart tug moment between the two of them. It's like, well, yeah, okay, well, we're not going to get emotional. I mean, there's kind of, it's, it's, a, if you blink it, you'll miss it, but it's, it's so good. Yeah, so they, good. They, they've grown to care about her. Yeah, yeah. All right, fidget. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about fidget. He's, he's a great hench person. He is scarier in the first two minutes. Uh-huh. When uh, when we only see him in shadow, then when we see him later on, he becomes a more comic figure than a sinister figure. Right. But I think that's fine. I think that's fine. We don't fo- want kids foil? terrified. Right. Is he a foil for Dawson? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I know what you're going for here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he he could be the person that Radigan could, could be partners with. But I, I honestly don't know that Digit has anything to offer Radigan in the way that Dawson does. Digit Fidget's not gonna Fidget's not gonna humanize Radigan. I, I think you're right that they're counterparts. I'm missing the thing that makes them foils. I, I'm missing how I see how Radigan is the dark side of Basil, as you pointed out. Do you have something for like how Fidget is the dark side of Dawson? I, I mean, I, I, th- I think that Dawson's job is to take care of things. He's the one who finds the list. He's the one who offers the handkerchief. He's He finds things. And Fidget finds things, too, but for evil reasons. Dawson's reasons of, for finding things are to care, and Fidget's are to be destructive. So maybe that's maybe that's it. You know but what they, I'd like to see? I, yeah, I... I think they have similar roles. I don't think they're foils for each other. What would make them foils for each other is the following. Number one, that Fidget helps Radigan brainstorm a little bit more. That, like, Mm -hmm. Radigan can actually talk to Fidget in a way he can't talk to other people, the way that Basil does for Dawson. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think there needs to be a moment of testing in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Dawson would die to save Basil. But I think there needs to be a moment where we could have seen Fidget making the decision, am I going to save Radigan as he's going to fall? And then deciding, you know what? Nah. Yeah, right? Like that bond, like the 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 thing that makes Fidget different from Dawson is that I would love to see Fidget being like, oh, Radigan's my best friend. And then at the end of this, but I'm not, I, I'm the person who cares about Radigan more than anybody in the world. And I'm going to let him fall because I need to get away. And that's more important to me. Wow. Uh, it could be yeah. there. It could be there. Yeah. It's not. Might be. Might be too dark. <laughs> it might be. And this. And this movie. This movie. I don't think ever gets too too dark. But it gets as close as I think it can. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Hiram Flaversham, the innocent toy maker. Okay, can I just tell you that I'm in love with these little toys, and I oh, absolutely, I, I absolutely believe they exist and that they're not animated. I mean, I mean, he's a genius, right? It I is. So uh, now I think it's interesting, uh, too, that when when um, Olivia loses her father, who is a genius, as you mentioned, she goes to try to find another genius and she goes in and she makes herself at home in that space in the same way that she feels at home in Hiram's toy shop. That's such an interesting idea to me that that maybe, you know, like the idea that Oh, you could you could make a meal out of that. That Olivia is this person who has access to all of the genius mice of mm-hmm. the world, 
because her father belongs to like this very special elite club of genius mice, and that's why she knows of Basil. Uh, I there's something there. There's something there, like as like the source of a series. You know, like the yeah. genius mice and this one little girl that, like, there she's got seven dads who are seven geniuses in seven different ways. I mean, that's not cool. this movie, but but Andy, I love it. I yeah. love it. That's great. Something. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about, like, the reason we love Olivia is because of how Hiram loves Olivia. That was just, just a craft moment. Like, if we had seen her by herself, and I don't know what the, I don't know what the case would have been, if we never saw the kidnapping, right? And we never saw, or if we just knew, if we, if the movie started with the little girl in the boot, and we didn't mm-hmm. have the prologue with Hiram loving his daughter enough to create this piece for her, for her birthday, right? Um, we we might not care as much about Olivia as we do. The other thing that makes us care about Olivia, she's a fighter. Yeah. Right? She's right. terribly upset her father's been kidnapped. But she didn't start this war, but by God, she's going to end it. Right. Right? And, and- like, she's ready. Yeah, and so when he's kidnapped, and when Hiram's kidnapped in the first part, and then he's forced to act by Radigan in order to see his daughter again, like, it makes us hate... The thing about Hiram appearing on, you know, Radigan's arc is that we hate him even more yeah. for what he's doing. So... Yeah. All right, Toby and Felicia. Toby the dog and Felicia the cat. I think they are foils for each other. They're absolutely foils for each other. Um, yeah. I mean, they're they're the respective pets slash mounts of of the two geniuses, mm-hmm. right? They both obey. Yeah, they both obey a genius mice or genius mouse or rat, right? That they could mm-hmm. easily eat. They could easily eat them both. Right? Um, Toby is willing to take on evil, mm-hmm. um, and and Felicia is just sort of obedient. She. She also sort of takes on evil, but the only evil she takes on is the evil she's told is evil. She's you know? spoiled. You get the sense she she's spoiled and yeah, pampered. Yeah. Um, and what have you. I love the final confrontation between Toby and Felicia, where Felicia has this look on her face when she's on the fence because she's gotten away from Toby. She hops off the fence because she knows she's so much smarter and she's outsmarted Toby. But mm-hmm. in fact... She's she's actually leapt into like this place for for like wild dogs right. and right. like and and that Toby outsmarted her. I, yeah, I, I love I love the comeuppance for her in this one. Mm-hmm. And it's Goodbye, a great Felicia. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a great foreshadowing for what's about to happen to Radigan too. Yes, so. agreed. Does this movie have a protagonist problem, Larry? I. I don't think that it does. I think it has a potential protagonist problem, but I think it mm-hmm. solves it. Do you see a protagonist problem? Well, I mean, when we meet Radigan, the movie continues to switch gears and it starts to go back and forth between Basil and Dawson and Olivia and then the villains Radigan and Fidget. And sometimes we see Radigan sort of scheming, but I never think he's the protagonist. No, no. I just think it's more of that, more of that omniscient point of view that we keep talking about. It's like that, okay, meanwhile, at Radigan headquarters, right? Um, but to me, it's never super clear, at least in the beginning, 
whether this is the narrator Dawson's story or Basil's story or Olivia's story. It takes me a hot second. So that's the problem that I think this movie could potentially have, but that it solves, is we have a protagonist, and this is not unique to this movie, we have Mm -hmm. a protagonist whose mind works on a different level. And quite frankly, Andy, I'm going to say this, Basil works on a level that neither you nor I nor most of the (laughs) audience can approach. The details he's going to notice, we're not capable of noticing, right? Right. So so that is a potential problem because we need to be rooting for this character. We need to mm-hmm. understand this character, but at the same time we need to be surprised by the way his mind works. Mm-hmm. And I I think the way they solve this is with Dawson. Um I I think Dawson by by making making Re- um Basil have to explain his thought process to Dawson. We never we're never fully with Basil at any point in this movie. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. We're always just a couple of inches removed. Mm -hmm. But you know what? In the source material, all of the Sherlock Holmes stories are written from Watson's point of view and not from Holmes. Holmes is the main character, and Watson is there to get us access to his mind. And I Mm -hmm. think, considering that this this is a film... And not a book. I think they solved this problem as best they can. Uh, I I didn't really, I didn't, I was always happy to have Basil there, even though I wasn't with him and I was more with Dawson when I was there. I think mm-hmm. they solved the problem that, that could have existed in less capable hands. Gosh, it's so good. It's so good. Really, really a, what this yeah. movie is a masterclass in is what, what you mentioned in the key facts. The investing in time and creating characters that have levels and depths and objectives and intentions. It's yeah. all there and it all pays off. Even if even if you and I are wondering about some of those details, we don't doubt that those details exist. Right. They've been what playing a- this back and forth between Basil and Radigan has been happening for years. Years. A, and this is almost like the final showdown. It just happens to be that it's Watson's first, or sorry, Watson. It's Dawson's. I knew I was going to do it's this. Fine. It's, it's fine. Dawson's, it's Dawson's first experience with, um, he comes in in the middle. But what a great journey we've had in Disney when you consider that the first characters we ever met in one of these movies had names like Happy, Dopey, Grumpy, Bashful, no backstories. Right. We, we, as far as as far as we know, they never existed till Snow White showed up, and and now we've got these rich, full characters, so oh, layered. Yeah, it's an evolution. It's such a great yeah. evolution. Love it. Love it. Wonderful. Um, I wanted to take a minute just to ask you some questions um, about the use of time in a screenplay. This movie does a great job of it. I mean, time is a factor throughout. There are lots of ticking clocks. There are gears that are in motion. Um, We can feel the clock ticking. There's even a record player with a ticking clock um, as Basil and Dawson are supposedly going to meet their fate at Radigan's hand, right? Um, And we know from the outset that this movie happens on the eve of the Queen's Jubilee party. And we know that the entire movie takes place in a 24-hour period and time's never wasting. Never. So I'm just curious if oh, if you were seeing the same thing I was or if you had a different thought about that or No, I think I think you're right. The movie creates urgency throughout the movie. 
So that even though we know we're moving towards a big climax between uh, Basil, Basil and Radigan, in the interim, there's a short amount of time. If Basil doesn't start the case right away, the clues will dry up and they'll lose the trail. When they're in the trap, they only have till the record gets to the end and then they're going to die. There's, 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 these limited windows. Even Radigan feels the time pressure. He would like yeah. to stay and watch Basil die, but the Queen is on her own schedule. This is the look. Should he leave one or two of the mice behind to watch and make sure things go according to plan? He should. But maybe he really does need every hand on deck. This is a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Toppling, top, you know, performing a coup, you know, takes work. You need all hands on deck. <laughs> I guess uh, so. You know, his 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 urgency is real. He really does have some place else to be and can't stay for it. Uh and then and then in that last fight, like we've got clock literally, we've got clocks everywhere yeah. in that fight. Yeah. Constantly reminding us of the passage of time. Uh I urgency throughout the movie uh will will make your movie feel faster. Mm -hmm. Uh and and make and make all of the scenes feel real. The greatest compliment you can offer to a movie. Savvy movie viewers know. Like the main character is not gonna die in the movie till maybe the climax, right? You mm -hmm. know, like, but if you can get me to worry about the main character before we get towards that climax, Jackpot. if you can make that's that's the gold. Yeah, that's the yep. gold. And that trap sequence, which we haven't even gotten to the climax yet. That trap sequence feels like real life and death stakes there. Do I know it's a Disney movie and they're not going to show us like Dawson and Basil Goo getting spread around as a little girl mouse <laughs> cries? I, I do know that. But in that moment, the tension is real and it and it feels like feels like stakes it really does well yeah especially when basil's like giving up when he starts to get, he gives up and you're like do you, if you're gonna do anything you better do it quick because oh gosh thankfully the record's skipping no it's not skipping anymore you know it's An good another genius moment another genius mm -hmm. moment i have to talk about this because this is so precursor to toy story mm -hmm. we have this moment where we believe hey the problem's been solved the record starts skipping and Dawson mm -hmm. sees it and we're like, oh, they're going to have a little more time than they thought they were going to have. And you're like, what a little gift from the gods of fate for our heroes. And right. then, but Basil's in despair and, and Dawson can't get him out of despair. And then finally Dawson loses his temper and like really shouts at, at Basil and the record skips, not just to move a little bit, but way closer to the end of the record, what appeared to be a reprieve, now they're closer to death than they ever were. Right, right. It's, it's so, so great. Good. It is so, Woody has a match and he lights the match and we're like, that's it, we solved the problem. And then the match goes out. I draw right. a straight line between these two movies. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It, I like it, it when the it, movie's it, good, Andy. Uh, I know, I know. I'm so glad we're. I'm so glad we're both on the same page. On this oh, for one. sure. It, but it is. I think when you can put a ticking clock in there, that's not necessarily a clock. I mean, it is some in some cases. But that record player is the most genius thing ever. Um, because we're. we're I'm totally invested in it. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? 
Um, and I know that we're all we're leading toward the Queen's Jubilee. I know that from the um, voiceover from the narration. Again, I'm not always a fan of voiceover, but here I think it really works uh, because Dawson's telling us a story, and we know we're we're driving toward that jubilee, and something's going to thwart it. Is Radigan going to take the queen? Is he going to take over all of Maustum, or is something going to happen? And um, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I all right. Agreed. Pitch time. Ooh, so it's... as I as I know, I I don't think there's been anything done with this material. Nothing, nothing Which has is been done. So with it. surprising to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's it's so good. Uh, I I'm completely with you. I mean, the obvious pitch here is a series. I think uh, a mm, weekly okay. a weekly series every. Uh, every week, uh, Basil, Basil and Dawson get a case, and then they solve the case. Uh, but I'm going to throw out to you, Andy, my pitch is I want them to adapt a specific Sherlock Holmes story, uh, the largest Sherlock Holmes story. I, maybe I'm not right about it being the largest, but I think it is. The Hounds of, of the Baskervilles. Baskervilles, yeah. Uh, which is my favorite Holmes short uh, It's not even a short story. It's a novella. Uh, yeah. It's it's my favorite one. It has great, compelling characters, but but the added advantage when you do it with the Great Mouse Detective is the hounds become proportionately beasts of legendary size. Yeah, uh, and I really think that's that's what I want. Uh, it's it's a great story. Uh, we've got the right Disney characters to do it, and it'll have a little bit of a twist because they're animals already. Uh, that's what I want. Hounds. Of I Benson. love. I love that. Um, okay, my pitch. So Olivia's grown up, mm-hmm. and it's it's so it's night. So if the movie takes place in London in 1897, it's now. Uh, let's say it's 1919. And the World War One has been going on for some time. Olivia's grown up and the toy shop has been bombed out. And there's this persistent bidder who wants to redo the place. Um, and her father is dead, she thinks. And so she goes back to 21. She, she sells the place. She has all this money, but she doesn't really have anywhere to live. And she goes back to 221B Baker Street and she finds out that it's for rent. And this landlord's really puzzled as to why she would want to. But she says, you know, I just really want to live here. There's a busted violin. I love all these things, right? And she rents the place for the nostalgia because she can't bear being in her father's toy shop and all of that. And she's baking cheese crumpets from an old recipe she's found in the kitchen when suddenly there's a little girl who comes to the door who's seeking her lost brother who was supposed to have come home to the country with her on the train but Olivia Olivia agrees to help Basil and Dawson come home from serving in the war. And they're alarmed to find that the landlord has rented their apartment to her and taken her money. So we need to find out who the phony landlord was and where the little girl's brother is. And did it have anything to do with the persistent buyer of the toy shop? And did Radigan ever really die? Right. <laughs> I... <laughs> Fair enough. So that's my that's my pitch. Very very cool. <laughs> yeah. What movie are we tackling next week? What before we do that, just one oh. little added note. Fans of Darkwing Duck, 
when dark when when drake mallard changes into darkwing duck if you take a look he always hits a certain object and it makes his chair uh twirl around so he can go into his darkwing lair the thing that he hits is a statue of basil from the great mouse detective <gasps> are you serious it's in oh every gosh. episode uh watch the opening watch the opening credits of it andy you'll see him there uh, I never noticed that. Yes, yes. Uh, but the movie <laughs> Badger on the case. <laughs> the movie that we're watching next week, I'm going I'm going to pronounce it the way the characters in the movie pronounce it. We're going to do The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, oh, most people I know excited. go like, it's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> I don't care how you pronounce it. I'm good either way, but if the characters are calling it Notre Dame, that's how I'm doing it. Uh, do you know I've I've never seen that movie? I and I have know. no idea why. I have no idea why. Oh, I know exactly why you haven't seen it. <laughs> I know exactly why you haven't seen it, but it's also the reason I'm excited to have you see it. I can't wait to get your take. Oh, on this I mean, movie. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's, well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or a classic movie fan? And if you write us a review, we'd be so pleased. You can check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6. Or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs>